This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 314, a conversation with Mike Perkins. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 314. This is our conversation with Mike Perkins episode, and I am your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, thank you for downloading today's episode. We got to sit down with acclaimed illustrator Mike Perkins to talk about his inks, his pencils, and everything in between. Uh, it's a really fun and enjoyable conversation. You should uh, definitely pick up the upcoming Carnage uh, book that he's doing with legendary Jerry Conway. Uh, it's, I think, going to be a really exciting book. The, uh, the first story from that was just recently, or not first story from that but the first few pages of seeing what that might look like was in uh the all new all new different part point now issue that just came out the past week uh or a week and a half ago i guess um it, so that was a great kind of intro apparently it's not going to be reprinted in the first issue which is a little bit of a bummer if you didn't pick up that giant uh point one issue but at some point, I'm sure it'll be collected in a trade paperback, uh, so that's coming up. Uh, if you want to email us at Comic Shenanigans, you can do so at ComicShenanigans at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Our next episode after this one, or the next even-numbered episode, will be episode 316, which will be a conversation with Devin Grayson as I sit down with the acclaimed writer to talk about her uh, time spent with DC Comics, uh, writing on uh, Titans, Arsenal, uh, especially Nightwing and Gotham Knights. Um, so that'll be coming up next week. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's just jump right into a conversation with Mike Perkins. Mike, thank you for joining us for Comic Shenanigans today. Thank you for asking. Now, uh, usually we would like to ask our, our guests, uh, what was your first experience with comic books? Um, hmm, I would say it, it's something I've kind of grown up with. I used to come across a the Marvel reprints uh, in England, um, which were kind of, they were in a very strange format. Um, there were these comics called Titans, um, and they were kind of landscape format comics. So you would get two um, Marvel comics pages per one page in the book. They were very strange. Um so I guess that was my first exposure, but that was from a very early age, probably from like two or three years old. Oh, wow. Um, and then uh, I, I guess I just came across a lot of the, the Marvel UK stuff, and then that went into uh, Captain Britain in 76 when that came out. And uh, that was a big eye-opener for me because it was a British superhero. So therefore, it was like, oh, okay, this is. It wasn't wasn't so much like, oh, I can do this job <laughs> as an English guy, uh, but it was more of a case of the acknowledgement that there was that possibility that this could actually be a job, if you like, not being a superhero. I mean, being a, a comic artist. That actually brings us up to our next question, which was, how did you end up deciding to become an artist? I. I always wanted to do it. it I can't remember a time when I didn't want to be um, a comic artist really um, I was always drawing um, I've got comics from when I was you know, three, four years old so it's uh, I don't know, it's just something I always wanted to do And then how did you first start kind of breaking into the industry? Um, I 
I was sending work backwards and forwards, and I was I was making my own comics. I mean, this was when I was fifteen, and I was selling them at school. And, um, but then uh, I set up my own graphic design company, and uh, it kind of took me away from the comic side of it. It was it was illustrative. It took me away from it, and then I decided, okay, I really want to just concentrate on the comics. And so I got in touch with an agent in London, who um, he he was uh, he's been an agent for for years for for many many people, and uh, he gave me some good advice and suggested we meet up again in six months, and we did so, and he was very surprised that I took on his criticisms. Um, and he said, "Okay, let's meet up the next day." So we did, and he had the first script from 2008 and gave it to me, and that's really how I got started. No, I'm always curious because I mean, obviously, you've been you've inked and you've penciled. How did you? I mean, it seems like at least with North American comics, you were more of an inker before a penciler. Is that correct? No, right. uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess that's how I was known. Um, I had done <coughs> penciling and inking before I solely took on the inking um, in American comics. Um, I mean, in, in England, you basically do everything. The, the uh, penciling, the inking, the colouring, uh, sometimes the lettering. Um, but really, I, I had done a lot of the penciling and inking on a bunch of calibre stuff in the mid-90s. Um, and also on the, the the DC big books as well, you know, the big book is Scandal and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I think it was just, I, I just fell into the inking. Um, as with most uh, stories that take place in the English comic, comic, comic scene, um, we were in a pub, of course. <laughs> and, um, and me and Phil Winslow got chatting and um, I said, oh, I'd love to ink your work. And he gave me a page to ink and he loved it. And that, that kind of started me off on the inking side of it, which it was never my intention. My intention was to be a penciler and inker. Um, but it was actually very rewarding to, to just concentrate on the inking for a while because it, I was able to study different pencilers and the different techniques that they used. Um, so that was eye-opening, really. Now, what was it that kind of brought you into North American comics more so? Um, you mean reading or, or just... Uh... Uh, in, in terms of the industry, I mean, as you said, you were, you were working in the UK, and then you, right. you make that transition over. What was kind of your breakout book? Um, I guess, I mean, it was mostly... It started off at Caliber. Uh, with the, the black and white books, uh, with Negative Burn and Kilroy. <clears throat> and then uh, uh, Black Mist came out with, with Necroscope at the same time. So it was all a, a bunch of stuff that was happening. And um, um, I guess I guess when I did Dr. Faustus with Mike Carey, an adaptation of Dr. Faustus, that's where it kind of really uh, started to get notice really um, but then like I said after that I, I kind of concentrated on the English side of it which which also included book illustration um, 
inking side of it picked up. Um, so I would say that probably the the inking side that got me noticed was the uh, Green Lantern Aliens book that Ron Mars wrote and Rick Leonardi penciled, uh, because that is kind of the one that got me under the nose of of Ron and under the attention of Mark Alessi at CrossGen. Now, I, I was a huge CrossGen fan back when that when right. that company enjoyed its success. What was it like to become part of the CrossGen company? It was fantastic. I mean, for the first three years, it was brilliant. Um, I, often, I often explain it to people in the sense that even though you were in these quad areas, you could recognize the people by their laughter because it was... <laughs> It was. It really was a place where you know people were having a good time, um, and because of the quad that I was in, which basically you had two books per quad. So in my quad, it was Ruse and Crux. Um, so we had. Uh, I was sitting there next to Rick Magyar, and um, Butch was sitting there, and Steve Epting, and Laura Martin, and Frank Diamato. So it was. It was a great creative sense. Um, especially just talking to, to uh, Butch and, and Steve and just going over the aspects of the art. Um, plus the fact that you, you got to see what everybody else was working on as well. So that was that pushed you even further. Um, uh, a listener of our show is uh, actually a huge fan of Butch. Guys, do you have any right. fun anecdotes about working with Butch? Uh, <laughs> no, Butch is a fantastic guy. He's uh, he's so so talented, um, and uh, he's I, after after Crossgen went under, we we shared a studio together for three years, uh, simply because going back to a single room after being in a studio full of a hundred creators, it was it was scary in a way. Um, you were stuck in that room by yourself, so. There, were, there was me, Laura Martin, and Butch Geis, and Drew Hennessy, and we, we just got a studio in Safety Harbor, and uh, we had that for three years. Um, but no, I, I always enjoy working with Butch. He's, he's such a good guy, and he's a totally amazing artist. And I learned so much inking his work. It's unbelievable. Um, now, probably not the stories you wanted. Probably some dirt. But. <laughs> no, no, don't want dirt at all. I just, as I said, the, the, this particular listener is a huge fan of Butch, and right. we, we've tried reaching out to Butch before to get him on the show because right. you know he's such a huge fan and would love to hear his stories. So right, right. that's the only reason I ask. Um, when you worked at CrossGen, you also got to ink over George Perez. What was that right. like? Uh, that was great. I mean, uh, you know, I, I grew up admiring the work of, of George and Butch. And, and to get to work with those guys was just fantastic. Um, it was, I mean, that that was how I was brought into Crossland as Inking George. And he, he loved what I was doing, so much so that we worked together on the Titans games thing afterwards. Um, but uh, I, I, just, I just remember the first time of, of meeting him and he had a page ready for me, a pencil page, and he gave it to me. It was, it was a, a bar fight with about 76 people in this bar fight. <laughs> and uh, he looked at me and he gave it to me and I'm like, oh, this is great. And he, he was kind of shocked and he was like, well, 
you're not intimidated by it? I'm like, no, no, this is brilliant. I said, I'm not intimidated by it because, you know, I've inked Phil Winslade. So, you know, it's, it's, this is great. It's easy to do. Um, so it's, uh, George, George is, is just a, a great guy as well. He, he knows his way around the comics, uh, the storytelling aspects. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you just learn bits and pieces from everybody you work with, especially when you're inking. Now, with Ruse, I mean, that was always one of my favorite cross-gen comics. What was it like, you know, obviously a huge aspect of that book was the visual style that I guess you and Butch put together, especially, you know, the dress, the clothes. I mean, it was very much a period piece. What was that like inking that work? Um, I actually learned a lot through the the clothes that they were wearing. It sounds bizarre, but when when I first started inking Ruse, I was using the, the pens, the micron pens and everything. And um, sitting next to Rick Maggiar, he said, well, why don't you start <clears throat> trying to use a brush? And um, he, uh, the brush terrified me to a certain extent. Um, and he said, well, what you do is, is you, you ink like you normally do. And then when you get to um, Miranda's dress, then just do the, the dress part in inks on that panel. Then the next page, do two panels of it, um, and then progress from there. And by the end of the book, I was just using the brush for everything. Um, and that's the way I've, I've kept on. I mean, I've just used the brush all the time now. So really, I mean, those, those kind of clothes and that drapery pushed me into the brushwork even more because of the the, um, the way you could use it for different lengths, different uh, the weight of the cloth, you, you could portray it much better that way. And plus the fact, like, Butch likes a lot of brushwork as well. So, mm-hmm. um, And it was it was a great fit for us. I mean, originally I was I was supposed to be inking somebody else uh, at CrossGen. And then when I heard that Butch was thinking of signing up, I made it known that that would be a perfect fit for me to ink Butch. So that's... That's how we, we kind of got together there. Now, prior to the implosion of CrossGen, you also got to uh, work on Kiss, Kiss Bang Bang with Tony right. Bedard. What was right. it like being able to actually create that title and do the pencils? Oh, it was great. I mean, the thing was, I mean, it was, I, w- I was brought into CrossGen as an Inca. Um, and I, w- I was fine with that. It was no problem. But my, my penciling fingers were starting to itch. <laughs> and, uh, I was, it was, they, they actually offered me sigil at one point, and I went away and I thought about it, and I thought, well, I really enjoy rooms, um, and so it was, from from that point, I was like, well, what would I leave rooms for if, if it's not sigil, and so that's when I came up with the concept and the, the basic plots of, of Kiss Kiss Bam Bam. And um, and then I went to Tony and we developed it together, and uh, and that that was that was great to work on something that was my own creation, and to get back into that penciling mode of it as well. That was that was really pushing me forwards again. Now, in the mid two thousands, obviously a huge uh, project you worked on was Captain America. 
Now, what was that? How did you kind of come aboard that? It looks like you were kind of doing some fill-in work here and there. What led you to actually join Captain America? Yeah, I mean, it was... I think Steve was going through a a rough time um, and he needed some help on on some of the inking. And he'd always enjoyed my inking on on Butch uh, at CrossGen. And we, we'd often talked about working together on something. And so when, when he needed some help, he came to me and he said, okay, I need, I need help inking the, the book. And so from issue eight onwards, we started collaborating together. Like I wouldn't ink the whole book. Um, I would just ink certain pages when he needed helping out. And at the same time, I was penciling spellbinders as well at Marvel. And, um, and so... It came to the point where they they said to me, look, we want you to um, take over the inks full-time on Captain America. And it was was very flattering to be asked, but I I turned them down, really, um, simply because I said, look, you know, I've I've been stuck. Well, not stuck. It's the wrong wrong phrase to use, but I've been been inking... Uh, at CrossGen for the past three years and I'm really trying to establish myself as a penciler again Um, so thank you but no thanks and um, and then the next day Ed phoned me up and and said well how about if we offer you uh, penciling and inking alternate arcs and then helping Steve out when he needs the help on the inking so that, that was just a perfect situation um, and, and the way it fell into place was just brilliant because it offered me the opportunity to to push forward my name again as a penciler rather than just as an inker. Now you also got to do the uh, the Union Jack series, right? Right, and that was that was the same time as, as the Captain America stuff as well. Exactly. Now, wh- how, what was that like working with uh, Christos Gage and kind of getting to re envision some of those characters? Well, that was it's kind of a weird story because I knew that. We, we're just doing the alternate arcs. I knew that Captain America um, wouldn't provide me with enough work um, throughout the year. So I was going to a convention. It might have been an L.A. wizard show or something, or Chicago. can't remember. And um, I went to Andy Schmidt, who was one of the editors there at the time, and I said, you know, I, I need some more work, and I'd really like to do a Union Jack uh miniseries and uh, he just wandered off <laughs> I'm like okay that didn't go down too well and um, the reason he wandered off was he went into the, the little booth part of the Marvel booth and uh, came back and he said oh I've just received this synopsis of Union Jack miniseries from Christos <laughs> and uh, so it was uh, I would, first of all, I was relieved that I hadn't peed him off or anything. So uh, it was uh, that. That's how it all kind of fell into place. Everything was was there and it was ready. And uh, we, we, Christos and I, wish we could have done more with it. But I guess the sales just weren't there, really. Um, but yeah, we we often talked about doing more Union Jack together and and working together as well because we we enjoyed it a lot. Well, I guess you guys did get to do the House of M Avengers miniseries, right? right? Yeah, definitely, and that that was that was great fun, especially the first issue because it was 
full-on 70s black exploitation kind of thing <laughs> um, so that was that was really good fun I enjoyed that a lot now how did you uh, get the assignment to work on the stand comics that was more of a case of me wanting to push my name forward again um, simply because I was I was doing the alternate arcs on cap and um, and even if I had done uh, the the Civil War crossover stuff, which was 22, 23, 24, people would be saying, oh, Steve did some great work on this issue. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, okay. I, and that, it's totally understandable because it was, um, Steve had started the book, so it was perceived as his book. And Frank DiMarta was holding it together visually wise with the colors and so it was understandable but I, I, I felt that I was my name wasn't being seen it was just being seen as Steve's work and um, so I spoke to Marvel about it and uh, and they and then they came back and said well do you want to do the stand adaptation and uh, that was that was just the perfect situation as well to be able to to just move to this I like to have a big chunk of work out there. I, I like to work on something uh, constantly rather than having fillings here and there on different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love I love working on the long run. Um, so I mean that that was just a, a perfect situation as well. Really. Um, this is more of an odd question, but. Um... Considering how you know your your as you said one of your major forays into North American comics was working on Ruse, what was it like to get to ink the new covers to Ruse when Marvel relaunched it as a miniseries? Well, that, that was great. I mean, the the, the um, Butch and I have often said we, we'd still love to do more Ruse together. I'd still um, read more of it if you guys right. did it. <laughs> right. I mean, even even to I think basically they didn't have the budget. Um, to commit to a lot of the uh, uh, the cross gen guys who moved to Marvel at that point, um, but me and Butch have always said, you know, we we would we would probably take a pay cut just to do some more ruse together. Um, so we we would love to do that, but the, a good uh, compromise was to to do the covers really, uh, and so that that of course it's always a joy to work with Butch. Now, around the same time you got to do uh, X-Men in Astonishing X-Men with Marjorie Liu, what was it like collaborating with her and developing the, you know, an X-Men arc? Right, right. I mean, that came up after the, uh, after the stand stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, that was, that was fantastic. I mean, they, they, they basically, Marvel approached us and said, look, this, this is kind of where we're going with this, with, with the wedding and everything. Do you have a problem with that? Um, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So that was, we yeah, we didn't have a problem. Um, and so to develop those things, we we also had an idea previously for uh, an all female black ops Avengers kind of team. Uh, me and Marjorie, and we we put uh, a pitch in for that, and uh, coming up with different names like the Bra Avengers. <laughs> uh, and the double defenders and things like that, <laughs> um, but uh, it was it was very sorry, but it was very much like a um, 
a chance that that, that pitch didn't go forwards. Um, but we did utilize some of the aspects of that pitch within the astonishing X-Men um, stories. Um, and that, that was, that was great fun to work with. Um, but again, it was, it, everything was so much up against the uh, deadlines, um, probably because of the approval process within that story, that it was, it was frustrating in a way that we, we couldn't just flow. We couldn't just get it done. But even so, it, I, I, do actually like looking back on a lot of that work that we did on Astonished X-Men together. Now, uh, last year, you, you and uh, Nathan Edmondson did the uh, fantastic Deathlock series. Right. Um, now, how did that kind of run come about? Had, had that been pitched to you, or is that something you were looking <laughs> well, for? It, for? For probably, I mean, I've been exclusive with Marvel now since 2004, um, and it really was... Um, for 10 years, I had been pestering Marvel. Whenever I was, I was up there, or whenever I saw anyone from there, I was like, give me Deathlock. Give me Deathlock. Um, and uh, I, I guess Axel is the second biggest Deathlock fan in the universe, uh, with, with me being the first one. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was it was more of a case. Because he, he ran about the time that... Um, I was looking to come off Captain America. He had offered me uh, a Deathlock series at that time, which um, was the one that Charlie Houston was writing. Oh yeah. Um, but but then the, the stand came up, and I was like, "Well, it makes more sense for me to do the stand." Um, so I was very frustrated that I missed out on, on Deathlock at that point. But um, but Axel always promised. He said, "Well, when we bring him back into the Marvel universe." You, it, it's your job, and uh, and it's always very nice to be told that. But you, you kind of go, yeah, yeah whatever. You know. um, but it it, did, it came about, and uh, and and they offered it to me. And Axel remembered that he had promised me this. Um, so that was that was fantastic to work on a, a, this character that I really wanted to work on, probably because he's he's more he's. He's a Marvel character that's close to the core of like a 2008 character, really. Um, so that I mean that that was. That I never was, I never thought of it that way, but I think you're right. <laughs> right, right. Just the look of it, just the the whole concept of it. Um, even though he, even though Deathlock came out before 2008 came out, um, it's very much in that same sense. Now, how did you and um, Nathan Edmondson kind of create this new... Because it is a new iteration of Deathlock. Right, right. Um, so how, and, invo- how involved... I think you- originally, we, we were gonna, it was going to be Michael Collins. Oh, really? Uh, but then we decided that, really, we, we should just introduce our own uh, Deathlock so it, it didn't have that uh, baggage as such. But then you still got to use Michael Collins. Right, right, which, which was... Which was great. Um, I mean, I, 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 I did, I did like the Michael Collins stuff when it came out. I thought it was great. But I mean, my my Deathlock's the, the kind of original. The Luth- Luther Manning. Yeah, yeah, the Luther Manning Deathlock. Um, and it, I, I guess there's been a lot of Deathlocks these days. Right, right. I would have loved to have done something that vain um, with the Luther Manning Deathlock, um, but I, I guess now with the Secret Wars thing 
with the, the worlds colliding together, they could probably do something with Luther Manning. Mm. Uh, but there was this sense that Luther Manning was... He, he was a future character, even though the future was 1985 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but it, so it, there, there was a difficulty in using that character, really. Now, I, I would have liked to have done, done something with that character, um, but it, it was it was still great to come up with that on Death Rock. Now, the Henry Hayes character, how did you design like his visual look? Well, they, they kind of wanted him more like the... Um, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. um, Deathlock, without the mask, which is why on the first two covers you've got him without the mask there. Um, but with me being such a Deathlock fan, I knew that if there was going to be a Deathlock, I wanted him to have a mask. And uh, I figured that like most fans would prefer him to have the mask as well rather than uh, not having it. So I just kept throwing it back up. Uh, <laughs> And just okay, he's he's in action. He's going to wear a, a full mask, but at least it's a mask, you know. Um, so uh, I I just kept throwing it in there, and nobody said anything. So <laughs> I think I got away with it. What was and your... of course, of course, in the last issue, we had him tearing off the half of the mask. That's right. Um, so that he actually started to look more like the original Deathlock with the the torn up face and half the mask on. What was it like working with Nathan Edmondson on the book? It was great. I mean, you know, he, he got the scripts on time. We, we collaborated a lot. Uh, we would phone each other and go over different ideas, and some he would utilize. Um, so I, it was it was great fun. You know, we, we met at a convention and got on very well together. Um, and so just to just to work together as well, it was, it was great fun. Now that that final issue, um, I can't remember the shot of uh, of Deathlock on top of the van after he just murdered those people. Right. Um, that's a very, it's a very good shot. Like, how did you come up with the framing of that of that page? It was that. that it's funny you should ask about that one because uh, I've got about three different versions of it, um, and one of them was more of a, a zooming shot. Um, where you just see his foot overhanging the side of the, the van, mm-hmm. but but Nathan saw it very clearly that he that he wanted it to pull back. I didn't think that the, the drama was there, um, and uh, so I I pulled into Deathlock, and it was more of a a worm's eye view of him in shadow, just mm-hmm. shut the holes and everything. And then we went backwards and forwards that so we wanted something different. Um, and then it was suggested doing an overhead shot, which didn't really work because it didn't look like he was on the van at all. It looked like he was on the ground. And so I, I uh, submitted myself to Nathan's will, which is, <laughs> is what he wanted all along. And uh, I, and I, I made it as dramatic as I could, and it, and it worked, and it really worked. And and so I'm glad that he stuck by his guns there. Really, and uh, wanted that shot. I think the, the colorist did an amazing job too. Just because, oh, I think it's brilliant. I mean, the I way that the blood really kind of pops off the, the, right. the pavement because it's almost like just a, a black on the ground as opposed to giving it texture, right. and it actually makes the blood more pop visually. 
Right, right. Yeah, Andy's just fantastic. I mean, he, he adds so much atmosphere to the work. And uh, he's always, now he's always my first choice to work with because he understands uh, black and white. Because I, being brought up in England, I tend to see comics in black and white anyway. Mm. Um, and so he, he understands black and white. With, with a lot of colorists, you, you tend to, to lose the line work. Um, but even though Andy puts the, the atmosphere of the colour in there, you can still see the, the line work underneath as well, which is why I enjoy. Um, he's, he's fantastic. Now, did you pencil and ink every issue, or did you have an ink yeah. on some of them? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, can, I can pretty much pencil and ink a, an issue in a month. Wow. Uh, uh, it, it basically boils down to a page per day, really. Um and so, and that's that's more that's me beating myself over the over the back with a uh, <laughs> my culpa kind of thing. But it, it's very it's much like a, you know, I, I like I said before, I, I prefer a comic where it's the same creative team throughout, mm. rather than uh, bits and pieces of uh, fill-ins here and there. Um, I mean, it does put myself in a bind sometimes that you, you can't take a break really um but it does that that's the way i prefer to work now what was it like to actually have a chance to as you we alluded to it earlier but you got to actually show the michael collins version of deathlock fighting the henry hayes version right i mean that, that was that was great that we could actually bring michael collins into it um in a way there, there was there was some decisions which i thought I, I wouldn't have gone for if if uh, I was scripting it in the sense that by the end of it there were so many death locks it kind of weakened it a little mm. um, but um, no I mean it was great to bring Michael Collins into it to have that interaction with the two characters it was a, a, there's a, a particular shot where you have the two of them just kind of standing next to each other and it was right. just kind of cool to see the, the differences between them uh, and uh, yeah, I always saw Michael Collins as, as much bigger than Henry Hayes. And I think that comes off, actually. Right, right. Um, another question about the, the series. Yeah. Um, no, I, this is maybe a dumb one. Was it always meant to be 10 issues, or was it meant to go further? Uh, I, I think we could have gone for, for at least another 8 issues with, with what we kind of had planned out. Um, I mean, it, it was intended to be an ongoing basically mm-hmm. um, but I, I guess part you can never second guess why why some of these things stick around and some don't um, but I think that Marvel thought that the Deathlock character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would have more of a prominent role in the second season um, and he didn't up until the, the last episode or so he didn't show up again um, so that didn't really push the character forward under people's noses that much, as they thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I, I I don't think I'm done with Deathlock just yet. I, th- I think there's still some there's still some more Deathlock in me somewhere. Uh, I did enjoy the, the, the kind of climactic ending of the, of the series with the kind of cliffhanger that it's not done. Right. That was, right. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. It was, because it, it it's it makes perfect sense given the context of the series, but you didn't expect it until the very end. 
Right, right. As a reader, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we always, we, we, talk, we, that was one of the things I came up with, was like maybe um, uh, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. character was actually, when, when she crashed, when she had that car crash, um, that she would have been taken by those guys and um, death locked up, as it were. Uh, so uh, that that was, uh, and that's why she is able to bound after Henry Hayes on the uh, fire escapes and everything. Uh, ah. and that's that. You know, otherwise, you know, he he could have escaped easily, really. Um, but he, no, he, she bounds after Michael Collins. Um, so that was uh, that was a little hit there that maybe we could have pursued in, in another. Eight issues, really. And whose idea was it to bring in Domino? She was an interesting character oh, to have yeah, mixed I, in. You know, it, it, Nathan's a big Domino nerd, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think any chance he gets, he'll, he'll stick Domino in something. Now, your upcoming work, you're going to be doing the the Carnage book with Jerry Conway. Yeah. yeah. Now, is that a, a solicited as a miniseries or as an ongoing? No, that's solicited as an ongoing as well. Now, uh, what, what's it like to be working with Jerry? Oh, he's, I mean, he's he's one of the most creative minds ever uh, in comics, and uh, it, it's just it's always a thrill to work with these people that you, that you grew up on yourself, um, and so to to work with him and, and the, the scripts come in and they're just great. I mean, they just you can just sit down for a morning and read through it and, and chew it, and it's just brilliant. Um, so, and you know, they, we have. I have constant feedback whenever I send a, a page to him, and even if it's just a word, you know, just brilliant, wow, something. It's always a thrill to get that email, um, to get this compliment from him. Um, so it's um, it's working out well so far, definitely. And how how did the I guess how did this get offered to you? How did Carnage come about? Um, during Deathlock, once once I heard that Deathlock was only going to ten issues, I kind of made a play for a Tomb of Dracula book. I was just like, um, I did a, a Tomb of Dracula uh, illustration, and uh, I said oh, I really want to do a Tomb of Dracula book. Um, so when they came to me with Carnage, they pitched it to me as this is Tomb of Dracula. But without the tomb and without Dracula, but it's the tomb of Dracula. Um, because it's basically uh, a, a, a group chasing down the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, a lot of it takes place in shadow. It take, takes place in a, a, a mine pit. Um, so it's very much like uh, Descent, you know, the, the film. Um, and so, so that kind of hit all my buttons, really, as an artist. That I could I could use a lot of shadow um, and make it really kind of spooky and creepy, um, and then plus the fact you've got uh, uh, Jameson as well and uh, Brock and all these these people who were tied into the Spider-Man universe, and and they all have their own problems as well. You know, it's uh, like they they are also cursed to change into other beings whatever um, so th- there's, there's all different aspects to it that appeal to me 
Um, now, what can you, you te- tease us a little bit more? People want to know more about this. Just because uh, it's interesting, when this book was first kind of announced as part of the bas- first basket of right. uh, all new, all different Marvel Now, I remember right. looking at it and being like, Jerry Conway is doing a, a, a Carnage right. book? What? <laughs> like, right. It, right. it felt very uh, surprising. And then seeing your name as well, I was like, I, I don't even know what this is going to be. And right. then I, I was listening to Jerry doing an, an interview with another podcast, and I was like, right. okay, well, the, now this sounds actually really interesting and a cool right. way to take it. Yeah. Uh, to see more of you know the carnage as the beast or as this kind of right. monster, and right. not having him really as the protagonist, but more as an antagonist to this group hunting him is more right. interesting. Right. I, I, I sent I sent um, some uh, JPEGs of the pages up to my art dealer, and uh, he was like, "Because carnage kind of misses out on a lot of people because it was it came out at a time where everything was was bizarre in comics and." Uh, and so, I mean, they, like I said, they convinced me to do it with the two Dracula hook. Um, and I sent the pages up to my art dealer and he said, you know, this, this could be like a, a science fiction book. This could be like an aliens book where they're, they're going after this creepy being in, in these lines. And um, I hadn't really seen it like that until he said it. And I was like, you know, he's right. This is, this is really just a very creepy horror um, which just happens to be in the Spider-Man universe um, because you have John Jameson in it who maybe he's still Man-Wolf maybe he's not Ooh. Uh, <laughs> then you have uh, uh, Brock in it as well who is now he's carrying the um, toxin symbiote in, in himself um, so you have these characters who just, I don't know, there's, there's scope for a lot of things to be going on in that book. Um, so that it's very much something that I can really get my teeth into. Because of its, its yeah, as you said, it's kind of a dark, almost like science fiction, are you pushing your pencils in a different way? I mean, obviously with... The Deathlock, it was also science fiction, but in a kind of a, a different realm. It was more right. te- technological right. Uh, and, and weapons, etc., as opposed to, you know, the kind of the, the otherworldly nature of the Carnage as a character. Right. Um, not so much. I mean, I, the, the good thing about this is I can use Shadow a lot more. And I, I use Shadow in whatever I do anyway. But with, with this, because a lot of it does take place in a mine, you can really utilize the shadow as a character in its own right does that make any sense absolutely uh, yeah and, and and especially with a a character like carnage anyway where you've got those tendrils and everything um and you can play with that it's like was that a shadow or was that a tendril or you know what what's going on there um th- there was a, an interview up on marvel uh, on the marvel site the other day where i i talked about there was this 2008 artist called Massimo Bellardinelli who, who basically drew the weirdest, weird, weird out stuff ever. Just insane, crazy stuff. And um, I, I can utilize some of that approach uh, to, to Carnage, to the tendrils and all that kind of very kind of brushwork, you know, the, the thick ink and, you know, the, the flowing ink on it. And uh, that my approach to it is is very beneficial to that character 
and, and vice versa. Hmm. Now, who's going to be coloring your work in uh, in Canada? It's, it's Andy again. So okay, that's that's a plus as well. Absolutely. We had um, a question from the Marvel Masterworks uh, message board okay. from uh, Drew Garassi who asked if you're the st- if he's the studio mate you miss the most. <laughs> no, that would be Butch. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time today. Do you have anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, I've also got a creator on book coming out um, uh, in a couple of weeks, actually, uh, from Boom Studios. Um, this is uh, a book called Rowan's Ruin, um, which is it's a it's a, a ghostly haunted house horror mystery. Um, that it, it was a concept that I came up with, and I approached Mike Kerry about uh, fleshing it out together, and um, and we flesh it out, and it, it's coming out great. And I'm doing that simultaneously as well as as Carnage. Um, and hence the deadline. Ah. Uh, you know, so uh, that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's I, w- I would say this, but it's brilliant. It's, uh, it really is a creepy haunted house thing. Uh, lots of ghosts going on. Lot, uh, there's a big mystery to the whole thing. And Mike has played out the mystery part of it perfectly. Um, it's four issues. And uh, I think the first issue comes out on the seventh. Okay, so this actually this episode will be coming out on the sixteenth, so it'll already be out. So, oh, okay. listeners, okay. go uh, go pick up Rowan's Ruin from Boom Studios. Yep, definitely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye.